Today on The Loading Goat, Opie learns about extortion for the first time. We're reviewing Opie and the Bully. Happy season two. Yeah, happy season two. Lost over the main part. We're back, baby. How was summer? Well, summer, we still recorded two episodes that they just didn't have to do with the A.D. Griffith show. So I don't really feel like I've had a vacation, but I'm glad you're refreshed and recharged. I was thinking we'd come back and do this whole, like, you know, three months off. You know, I went to Martinique and Saint-Tropez and spread the good word of Andy Griffith to the Mediterranean. I did go to New York um, for the weekend, and I, but I did not spread the good word of Andy Griffith. In fact, I didn't discuss it at all with anybody. <laughs> I heard you went to Coney Island and it was rainy. It was, it was, but you know, I still went to Nathan's and had a had a hot dog, so it was it wasn't a total loss. Good. We also have another guest. Uh, my friend Elton Hayes is joining us. He is a sports writer, and I'll let Elton tell us a little bit about himself and his love for the Andy Griffith Show. Well, the love for my well, first, Aaron, I, I have a bone to pick with you, uh, I, but I will not let this get in the way of our ep- of the episode that it's taken you two seasons to invite me to be on the show, but um. Alas, I'm here, but uh, <laughs> you, were, you were awful busy during football season, and I didn't want to bother yeah, you. I'm, that's I'm we sorry. also we had to get good enough for you. You know, the yeah. first 18 episodes were probably trash, and you know, we, we just started to hit our stride. I'm just, Aaron, I, Aaron knows I'm just teasing him. Well, but, you, know, uh, but, you know, when you you know when you're saying the sport is the podcast is finally good enough for Elton to join, you know, <laughs> you, you set a you set a lower bar than you really have expected to. No, no, but no, back to your original question. My dad and I used to watch the Andy Griffith Show a lot growing up. Um, he has an, still has an affinity for the old shows, uh, westerns. He's a big fan of the westerns. Um, but we used to watch Andy Griffin all the time, and it's just always, it's one of those shows that, you know, it's, it's just a good, wholesome, funny show, great character, good writing, um, and I, I still enjoy it to this day. And you're a sports writer, you cover the Penn State beat, tell us a little bit about yeah. that. So I cover Penn State Athletics for um, CNHI Newspapers Company, uh, paper chain with companies, uh, or a company with papers in the South, the Midwest, a little bit up the Northeast uh, corridor. Yeah, I covered Penn State for five of our papers here in um, in Pennsylvania. I live in State College, got up here in 2019 and uh, was enjoying it until the pandemic hit, made things a little bit different, uh, missed out on a basketball season, missed out on a full football season last year. But uh, I think we're finally starting to turn the corner and Penn State yesterday announced that it was going to have 100% Fan, fan attendance um, at games in the fall. So I think we're on the right path moving forward. Slight, slight okay. um, kind of diversion question. Have you ever yeah. compared an athlete at Penn State to Barney Fife in all your years writing? Um, athleticism? I, no, you know, I, I think if such athlete exists, it might be on the intramural squad. Um, <laughs> Okay. I, I think I think at the uh, at the Division One level, there are uh, no offense to uh, Don Knotts, but I think they're a little uh, a, a little bit more uh, polished than than him. All right, if you all did right. com- if you did compare an ath- a member a player on the team to Barney Fife, do you think that would make things a little harder for you with the sports information department? Uh, it might it might significantly uh, decrease my access. So uh, positive things only. Positive. Yeah. <laughs> so in thirty seconds or less, how, how's Penn State looking this fall? Penn State's looking good. Um, Micah Parsons went to the Cowboys, so obviously that's a big loss for him, but it is linebacker U, and um, they've recruited the position well, brought in a new offensive coordinator, and uh, Mike Yersich, he came up from Texas. 
Um, you know, last year they went four and five, which was uncharacteristic to say the least. A lot of the players this spring talked about um, returning the program to standard and, you know, taking it personally. So uh, I think we'll see a much improved Penn State team in the uh, fall. Very good. So we go into the season two opener and this was, we had, we had kind of barreled through season one. Season two, I feel is where the show really starts to pick up even more. As with all season premieres, this one focuses on Opie. And we begin to see Andy moving on from the Will Stockdale light character that he was in season one. Will Stockdale is the character he played in those time for sergeants. And if you watch, and if you watch some, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I I felt like I can, I can, I can, I can can explain that. The, the, and then we see what we see him actually going into more of a less of a homespun character to more of just a, an even keel character. Um, and so that we, I think Christopher having watched the episodes of, you know, all of last season, last season's episodes, it feels like a little bit of a different Andy this, this time around. And would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got that vibe. I mean, you did have this Andy in several of the more serious episodes. Like I feel like the foreclosure one was maybe one of the first times where he kind of took this approach. You know, I liked the lightheartedness and, you know, he was hokey and made, we made fun of him a little bit um, kind of in the first season. So I like, I'm, I'm like, not sure how I'm going to feel about him taking a more serious role, but as long as Donnie and Opie keep, keep bringing the fire, I'm, I'll be here for it. And Aunt B. Let's not forget Aunt, Aunt B. Aunt B. Oh, of course you would be an Aunt B. A <laughs> Aunt B fan. <laughs> land the jokes. <laughs> oh, so we... So this episode aired on October 2nd, 1961. I've read that in the writer's room, both Andy Griffith and Don Knotts would sit in the writer's room and discuss stories and issues from their childhood and some of them were very dark they couldn't make it to print or to 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 into the script but like this episode comes down which is basically a parable on something that i think is actually very traumatic in childhood which is bullying were either of you ever bullied growing up Uh, elton go for it i was always kind of tall for my age so i i luckily escaped that um, thankfully, I think if I was any bullying done, it was probably by my older brother. But um, outside of the house, I was not bullied. You know, I was bull. I was such a cute. You know, the listeners can't see me, but I was such a cute and sweet little boy. I had this <laughs> lovely bowl cut, and I had an Anakin Skywalker tail on my left side. And somehow, I relatively avoided un- being uh, bullied throughout. But there was one kid. His name was Steve C. I won't give his last name for, you know, to, I'm not bullying him back, but in uh, math class, sixth grade, he was a little, no, Karl Marx, sixth grade. He was a little mean to me for a while. Did you say Karl Marx, sixth grade? No, Com Arts Communication. <laughs> okay, Com Arts. <laughs> <Six Moment. grade. laughs> How old are you? <laughs> okay, so the, the, so I would say, yes, I was bullied when I was a kid. At the time, it's something very traumatic. And now, I nowadays I don't look back on it. Where I don't have it's not like I sit and think about it that much. I remembered as we were watching this episode, I, and actually looking back on it, I remember. You know, now that you're older, you're, you're kind of like when you see a kid who's bullying another kid, you know, kind of why he's the kid probably has a terrible home life. There's all these things going on. I remember when I was older, a kid who was a bully to me when we were growing up. He said, you know. 
I don't really, because I, I don't know. I don't know why I was so mean to you growing up. And I thought, well, and I said, could have been your mom's substance abuse issues. It could have been the, um, <laughs> I didn't say that to him. I thought it, I didn't say it to him, but I mean, it could have been the unstable home life you had. It could have been all these factors. Well, the thing about it is, is this really is just more like a parable. I mean, I think bullying is often a lot more, it could be a messier thing and a more traumatic thing. You can't just all of a sudden get into a fight and a bully backs down. You wish that could be the case, but it reverberates. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is child's play bullying. And, you know, I think we, I, I, I'm a big musical theater fan and I haven't had enough opportunity to make musical theater references here, but like the, the way the bullying can be depicted, like Dear Evan Hansen was a, was a play that like really beautifully captured like the impact and lasting impact that the bullying can have on, on youth development. And like, I know people that that's really connected with, but like little Sheldon, like waving his fist in the face. Like, I don't think that's going to bring back any discomfort for, for people. Well, no. there, there was an interesting, um, uh, let me know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but Aaron, you speak about the, um, the home life that a lot of children who grow up, who are, who grow up being bullies, unfortunately have to live in. Uh, you know, there was a part when, Sheldon was, I think it was their first encounter when he approached um, Opie and made him give him the money. And he says, all right, Opie, you know, something like I'll see you tomorrow or something. It was an exchange. You could tell in his voice that, you know, he felt bad in a way about doing it. I don't know if that was just me, but that's something I picked up on. Like he was very just kind of, he was, you know, he he wasn't excited when he was saying it. He sounded like he was a little sad and it made me wonder if, you know, maybe they were going to go down the road and later in the show and, you know, talk about why he was that way or, you know, show a scene with his dad bullying him or his mother or something. He didn't have the post-bullying rush. that Aaron No, no he didn't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It kind of calmmed down a lot. And it was kind of sad to watch. Or yeah. Sad to watch. The later episodes, when they, especially when they went went into color, they would have delved into the boy's home life and all of these <laughs> and all of these things. And uh, it just it, it, it did it would but it wouldn't have had the uh, same impact that this this show did. So, but Christopher, let's talk for a second. You had an Anakin Skywalker side <laughs> tale. Uh, yeah, Doc. Did, did you see Hayden Christensen and you're like, that's what I want? Is that is that really what happened? You know, it was one of those decisions. I don't really stop doing something once I start it. It's more of I've been describing it like I just kind of walk into a direction until somebody points me in a different way. And my dad thought it'd be funny if I had one when I was really little because I had a bunch of hair. And so I just kind of had one and then didn't do it until, you know, until far too late in life. But, you know, I thought I made it look cute. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. (laughs) So we open the episode at the kitchen table with Aunt B preparing Opie's lunch. He asks for a nickel for milk and she gives it to him. He then goes in the living room and asks his dad for a nickel of milk. And then he leaves, and then Aunt B comes in. She mentions giving a, giving him a nickel for milk, and that ultimately catches Aunt B's attention. You know, my first thought here is that, the, you know, this this episode's all about Opie, and they didn't miss a beat with the wardrobe and Opie's wildly stretched out classical collar. Every single episode is like it's almost like hanging off his shoulder because so it looked like he'd already been in a fight. And then the only other reference point I have to this is on the on the prop front is that the coffee craft that Aunt B uses is pretty beautiful and really nice mid-century. Did any of you you all get hungry through that first scene? They kept talking about the apple pie. <laughs> I uh, I, no, I but, had a you know. apple pie after the, uh, 
I kept bringing it up. I think it maybe it all depends on how how much of a sweet tooth one has. So if you're uh, <laughs> if you're if I mean we've we've watched Andy. I, I will say when I watched, it's not the sweet tooth stuff that that gets to me when they're when Andy's serving food. It's often like breakfast when she's doing breakfast that will make me make me hungry yeah. or when she's doing one of those huge sunday sunday dinners where you know with cornbread and biscuits and, yeah. and, and and fried chicken that's that's usually where i'm like oh yeah i could go i could go for that <laughs> i didn't feel that at all i like the idea of you both just like blacking out whenever there's any food on camera and you're like i don't know what's going on wake me up when they clean yeah. it <laughs> i don't think it's i don't think it's that it's not that intense <laughs> So we go to Opie, he's walking to school. A bully named Sheldon makes Opie give him a nickel to pass on the street. Sheldon Leonard. Yes, that was the question is what kind of, you were kind of like, why would a bully get the name Sheldon? But Sheldon Leonard is the creator of the show. He also played a lot of tough guy types. Elton, I'm sure you've seen It's a Wonderful Life. Christopher, have you yet to see It's a Wonderful Life? No, it's June. You told me to watch I, it in like May. <laughs> I told you last May to watch it and you just didn't watch it in December. So, so Christopher, it'll be on 38 times this holiday season. So try to make a point to watch it at some point. But Elton, you may remember Sheldon Leonard. He plays Nick, the bartender okay. at, at Nick's when, you know, George Bailey is going through and is yeah. finding out he's never been born. Yeah. Okay. I did not, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So Sheldon is played by Terry Dixon, who will show up as another character later this season. After he gives, after Opie gives the money, we cut to Opie saying his prayers before bed, and then Andy comes in and comes in and asks him about the nickel, and Opie pretends to fall asleep and somehow manages to get away with it. I was quite Aaron. That that's what I that was probably the uh, most striking thing from that scene was that he was allowed to fall asleep. If that was me, my mom would have shook me until I'd wake it up. Yeah, he did such a good job, but this is kind of like the cute Opie charm where he's like coming in, he's coming out. He's like, oh, I yep. just can't do it. And yeah. Andy, you can see he has like a a, a, um, a crisis of conscience there. He's like, I want to I want to wake him up. But he ultimately, he, you know, he lets him sleep and then closes the door. And, and uh, I guess he set, figures he'll address it the next day. When he has to shake, when he gets shaken down for another, <laughs> for another, for another nickel. Well, how much was a nickel when you, uh, when you both were in elementary school? I mean, a, a thing of milk was a quarter when oh, I was sorry. in elementary school. How much was school. a nickel when you were in elementary school? I don't think about five cents. <laughs> uh, yeah, milk, a, cart, a little a half pint of milk was a, was a quarter when we were, um, at least when I was in school. And Aaron and I are just are, you know, around the same age, thinking maybe a couple years younger. Okay, sounds good. We dissolved to Barney and Andy at the jail cell or jailhouse discussing what could have happened. And then we see... We have learned that Barney actually says that Opie came in asking for a nickel. And Andy is just perplexed. He says it's a mystery. Barney hears the word mystery and his Manhunt theme song begins playing. It goes right into character. <laughs> right it in. goes right into character. No, I, I think it was a missed opportunity in this scene for Andy and Barney to blame Ampy from the previous episode where they weren't allowed to like they had to teach him to stop handcuffing people and you know if if Opie would have had his handcuffs this situation with Sheldon never would have happened he could have just put him in handcuffs right there and then dragged him into the cell and then made him eat a dry peanut butter knuckle sandwich 
You could have done that. I mean, they could have actually taken it one step further, and Barney could have just given him a blackjack or a slap and just he, you know, <laughs> smack smack Sheldon right right in the jaw. Sure that. What do you think, Elton? <laughs> I, I I mean, I think dragging him down to the jail cell and, and waiting for Otis to come there and have him stay the stay with Otis for a few hours might have straightened him out. Yeah, that wouldn't. That's not. That's not child abuse at all. That's, that's too fun. <laughs> So next we see Opie walking to school and being followed by Barney Fife, child predator. Um, then he's watching Opie through a hole in a newspaper sitting on a guy's porch. But it's worth noting that this worked because he sees Sheldon take Opie's nickel and realizes what's going on. They didn't know until then. So Barney being doing what he did paid off. That might be one of the few crimes that he solved in Mayberry. Absolutely. <laughs> it's his first like full soup to nuts investigation. Exactly. Yeah. So Barney gets angry, but he has to leave when the man comes out on the porch and makes him give him back his newspaper and the holy cutout too. <laughs> I loved when he handed him the little hole. I thought that was so good. It was so that good. Was good. I thought that guy was going to uh, confront him. Well, back in the jail, Barney Wait, Quick Go. question. You know, we were talking about ways that Opie could could have struck back, and he's a littler kid. You know, I kept thinking like he's got this huge like t- like knot of books at the end of a belt that he could just swing that thing around like a lasso, yeah, and at least buy himself some space to run away. <laughs> I just feel you've got to have that wound really tight because if you don't, you sling it. Books are going everywhere. Books are going everywhere. Yeah, then you're throwing the book at him. Well played. Well played. Well. Books aside, Barney offers to teach him some fighting moves. Andy says that's not necessary. He says he's just got to teach himself, got to teach him to stand up for himself without letting Opie knows he knows about the bully because it's clear Opie is ashamed of what's taking place. Um, so we and so this is really you know you've only got two commercial breaks in the show. You've got where they go, that you've got a problem and they go to commercial. And then you've got the resolution and then the commercial before the epilogue. This is one of the softest cuts to commercial because he's literally just sitting at his desk pondering what to do. It's not like there's anything really dramatic. Well, I mean, it's tough to be a parent, Aaron. You know, he's dealing with a delicate situation. He's got to think about it. We all just don't have these, you know, the perfect answer every time. He put a lot of thought in it. You know, he definitely, he wanted to, uh, what did he tell Barney? He wanted him to stand up for himself, but also teach him that, you know, you don't go looking for fights. So uh, there's a lot that went into it. Well, let's just say if I was watching one of those serial uh, movies from the early, from the 30s and the 40s that, you know, you'd go in the theater and you had to come back each week and it ended with a guy at a desk thinking I probably (laughs) would be not, not on the edge of my seat wondering what was taking place. Life was different back then, Aaron. We didn't have the same excitement. You know, we didn't have Olivia Rodrigo. We didn't have, you know, the new <laughs> things really keeping people at a high level, high octane. Yeah, that's that's fair. It wasn't and even a Fast and the Furious yet. There was not. There was not. Apparently in this new... Imagine a time when that was a thing. <laughs> there was no Fast and Furious. There's, yeah, there was no Fast and the Furious. You know, but, you know, nowadays if they made the Andy Griffith show, apparently it turned out that... Andy had a long-lost brother who's an international arms dealer played by an ex-professional wrestler. I mean... Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, I will say, though, you know, I, that's why we're talking about Fast and Furious 9. 
How is it that we have watched eight of these movies and we have never learned that Vin Diesel had a brother who's an international arms dealer? I don't um, I mean, I have a confession to make. I have yet to see any of those movies. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll keep going on this tangent here just for a little bit because they're worth it. I would rank and <laughs> like, the, and there, so there are eight, soon to be nine of them. And then there's the spinoff Hobbs and Shaw. And I would probably rank them in order of you should watch one, seven, six, five, eight, and then skip two, three, four. Okay. But I heard, but Tokyo Drift is pretty good, but it's too much of a spinoff to like okay. really be its own thing, but it's later. So you might want to watch the, the later ones first, but I want our, our listeners to write in and, and give us the ranking of the Fast series. No, I, I can't do, I can't do the ranking off the top of my head. My favorite of all of them is five. I think five is the one I enjoyed the most, but okay. I've, 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 I've watched them all. Um, I've watched, I've seen them all. I've even seen Hobbs and Shaw. I think Hobbs and Shaw may be the weakest of all of them. Oh, I disagree. You think Tokyo Drift is? Yeah, I do. Or two, or 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 Fast and Furious. I, I actually really like two. You know, if um, it's 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 you know it's it's good stuff in South Florida. You know, <laughs> good 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 auto racing and good you know you're taking out drug dealers. Is that the one with Ludacris? I know one of them has Ludacris. Ludacris is in it. Ludacris is in yeah. He's in a bunch of them. Oh, okay. um, yeah, Cole Hauser's the bad guy, um, and Eva Mendez is an undercover cop, and yeah, it's good stuff. A lot going on there, huh? Yeah. First yeah. ever comparison, Andy Griffith to the to the Fast and Furious series. <laughs> yeah. Made. Well, it's all everything. All the as they say on the wire, all the pieces matter. <laughs> so we come back from commercial. Andy and Opie are fishing. Opie catches a fish a fish and asks Andy how he had found this great fishing spot. A light bulb goes off in Andy's head and he tells Hopi how he found it when he was a kid and just kept it to himself. But then another tough little fella named Cody Snitch told him he had to leave. And Andy says he did, but later learned that tough talk is just talk and that giving away something you want to give away is okay, but giving away something because you're scared wasn't. So he went back to the hole and Hody punched him in the nose. And Andy just says he laughed and he fought back. And it seems like everything worked out. And as they walk to the car, it's clear that the story worked because Obi keeps asking questions about the punch. But that, if I may say, that, that was one of the best lines in this episode, you know, came at that point when Obi was like, well, Pa, what happened? You know, and Andy said, well, we're, fi- we're, we're fishing here, aren't we? I, I don't know. I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I this went really well, and I agree. That's it's a beautiful father son. It, it creates like maybe one of the first like more since maybe this is what you're talking about at the top of the 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 conversation about like the sincere Andy Griffith side. But this is a really nice moment between Opie and Andy. But my question for you two is, like, w- could you ever see yourself giving this advice to your to a kid? You'd be like, yeah, just go get punched in the face. It won't hurt. You'll be fine. And like, we don't really know what's happening. Like, I could never imagine that being. Well, what- I, I do have a, a, a funny story about this. So <laughs> my brother, God rest his soul. I remember he came home one day crying. He told my mother someone had uh, taken his bike. So he came in the house and she told him, if you don't come back with that bike, I'm going to deal with you. <laughs> came back with the bike. So uh, it, it worked for, for him. <laughs> what did he do? 
I don't know what he did, but he got his bike back. Um, I guess he was more afraid of my mother than he was the uh, the kid who stole his bike. Oh my god! I mean, there's a certain age where a kid, a kid another kid punching a kid in the face, is not really going to do any real damage, other than maybe a black eye. Yeah. So, so there is a per- period where you can do that. You know, the but it is as they get a little older, it gets a little more challenging, and you can't be telling a 14 year old to go like up you against know, the cartel or something. Yeah, like. yeah, already, already go, but well, you know, I'm always like, um, you know, like your brother comes back with the bike, she's like, You got the bike, and she's like, Yes, mom, I killed him. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's that, you know, she'd be like, Oh wow, this really blew up in my face. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did not see that my I raised a psychopath, you know. So <laughs> I love that. Yes, mom, I killed him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you don't you don't want that. But I hosed off the bicycle in the front yard. So after this after this episode aired, the name Hody Snitch apparently became synonymous with bullying. I'm wondering if it's kind of like how Scott Farkas has become synonymous with bullying. Yeah. What is Scott Farkas? Scott, Christmas story. Yeah, Scott Farkas is the bully in a Christmas story. Oh, okay. Have you seen a Christmas story? Uh, yeah, that's the little Richie, or he he licks the pole. Yeah, No, who who was the one who licked the pole? By the way, which one was that? Was that? No, I don't remember. What is? Would you just stop saying <laughs> lick the pole? He stuck his <laughs> he stuck he stuck his tongue up against the pole in the cold in the cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> and then at first, I can't remember what his name was though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Why well, do we pivot from this? So the next morning, Opie brings a change of clothes to his father to keep at the courthouse for him. And, you know, Andy, Andy realizes what's about to happen. Yeah. But, so he, he realized Andy realizes what's about to happen. But it's also like fantastic because he understands that like he's most it's a little bit like Elton's brother. Like he's most scared of Aunt B in this situation. He's like, I'm going to get into a huge fight. But no way I'm facing Aunt B afterward. <laughs> he, he, he couldn't bring ripped up clothes into the household where he'd, uh, he, he'd face the wrath of Aunt B. So. <laughs> but that was, it was a neat scene. You know, it was, it was one of those, you'd mentioned the, uh, one of the more sensitive father-son moments. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. And so they go back to the jail. Um, Barney and Andy are waiting for Opie. Barney wants to leave to see what's going on. Andy won't let him leave. Then Opie... <laughs> runs into Sheldon, doesn't give him the nickel, and takes his knuckle sandwich. I really, throughout the whole thing, they're missing the opportunity to say a knuckle sandwich help is better with a, like a pint of milk, right? Like they make that comparison to peanut butter being hard to swallow, knuckle sandwich would be harder. It's missed every single time. <laughs> so Opie, Opie, so basically back in the jail, Opie shows up with a black guy and he is happy as can be. And he gives Andy and Barney their nickels back. Yep. I, I thought that. that was a really neat moment also. I, you know, I'm one for the sentimental, Aaron. But I, no, no. I, when he gave it to Andy, gave it to Barney, and I thought that was that was really neat. He's come a long way from Opie's charity. Well, in Opie's charity, he was going to give, he was saving up money so he could buy his girlfriend a coat who didn't have, because she didn't have a coat. Oh, that's true. I thought he was just like stealing. Oh, right. I forgot the ending. But uh, he's just kind of stealing for a little bit, right? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, 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 Opie is, Opie, let me tell you, Opie just keeps progressing 
and progressing and progressing. And then the color episodes hit, and Opie starts a decline as a, <laughs> as a, as a character. Elton, would you say that's fair? I would say it's, I think the whole show kind of, once they, they transitioned over to color, just wasn't the same. It was like The Office when Michael left. Yeah. It's like Kiss when they took off their makeup. <laughs> you could say that too. In the uh, epilogue, Barney comes in with an antibiotic to treat Opie's black eye, but Opie wants to keep the black eye because he's proud of it. And Andy and Barney finally let him do it. Maybe this is a black and white question, but I thought he had a steak. I, it was a steak. A steak? It was a steak. What's a steak? Oh, like, he, oh he had a steak to put on his black yeah, eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I thought that was cute. And I a little bit feel the same way. Like if I have a really good scab, I want to keep it a little bit. I don't know if, if you guys agree with that. I don't know. I'm at an age where if I get a black eye, I mean, I get a, if I've got some sort of marking on my face, I really don't want people to think that I'm going out and getting into fights at my age. I mean, that would just be kind of, <laughs> seems a little unprofessional. Speaking of, oh, so Elton, you're in Pennsylvania. I went camping there a couple of years ago and went swimming in a reservoir and got a face fungus. Like, I oh my stayed on my face for nine months and it just kind of moved nine around. Nine months? Yeah, so I looked like I had a welt and a black eye for, not a black eye, but like a, a good little shiner for a little bit because of your that's, great sleep. That's why I stay away from standing water. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to, so talking about the epilogue is, I think it was a missed opportunity to not show just like Sheldon up against a curb, you know, like moaning, like, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I go back to, I think it was a missed opportunity to kind of, you know, explain why Sheldon was the way he is or is the way he was. Um, Maybe explore a little bit or expand more on his home life or I don't know. I just, I, I, I wanted to see that. Aaron, what do you think? So I think this was just a coming of age piece for Opie. And so I think Sheldon was just incidental. I think finding out why Sheldon was doing that or why Sheldon was the way he was almost takes away the courage, takes away from the courage Opie has to show to overcome Sheldon. That is a good point. You know, I... Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh, mine was going in a way different direction. You, you take it. Right <laughs> no, I will say the focal point of the episode was Opie and like he's, you know, his dealing with that situation and showing courage. So nah. Sheldon, like you said, he was just kind of uh, an accessory in it all. I was talking to a friend who recently saw Cruella, the Disney Channel um, kind of spinoff on 101 Dalmatians. And he was saying that it was good, but they took some backstories in places that, you know, he was like, I don't know if I really needed to know why Jasper was the way he was. And it was like a whole like little vertical yeah. on, on developing him as an evil character. Is Jasper the um, one of her henchmen? Like Jasper and Horace? Yeah, yeah. One of the yeah. dog catchers, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there is a little bit of, a little bit, like, there's a little too much where you give a little backstory. I mean, there are certain shows where I'm like, oh, I just want to see everything and learn everything about this. But Andy Griffith is one where I'm kind of like, I'm good kind of see, I, seeing where these characters as they pop up. You know, one of those where people overshare too much. I was listening to this podcast about a, an old TV show in the 60s, and one of the characters just keeps talking about his life growing up in rural Tennessee. And it's just like beats you I over. I've heard that one before. <laughs> you know i gotta mess with the Aaron. well i mean I, i'm you know it's it's a nice balance to 
a kid who wore a long braid along the side of his head for <laughs> who knows how long. Sometimes I'd get it wrapped if I go on vacation, get some beads on it or something. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So how many whistles would you give this, Christopher? You know, I'd give this one an eight. I did really like it. I thought it was sentimental. It was a good fresh start. I love Opie. I think it was great. Elton, you have, it's basically between one and 10 whistles um, to rate. How many would you give it? I'd give it seven. Uh, it it might've gotten an eight if, you know, we heard a little bit more about Sheldon's home, home life. But uh, I, I think the message it was trying to convey, um, I, I think it was important. I think seeing the bond between Andy and Opie and, you know, kind of seeing Andy show that sensitive side was really neat. Well, I we get, need it. You'd give it seven. Okay. We need to have you come on when there's an episode about Otis and his drinking <laughs> and, and really, you know, like really try to get to the bottom of why Otis the way he is, is the way he is. Yeah. Aaron, what do you? What, how many whistles do you give? I'd go with you. I'd say eight. All right. So we're at an average of seven point eight nine. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So any final thoughts? I would just like to say, Elton, you're welcome anytime. This has been fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Nope. We've had... I'm, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this has been fun. And it was good to go back and watch some of these episodes again. And Elton, if, if folks want to read your work or check out your work, how do they How do they find you? Um, They could go to www.thedailyitem. The Daily Item. It's, it spells how it sounds. Um and that's where I've, all my work is posted. And on Twitter, I am at EHDC12. Very good. And we'll be sure to Venmo you for coming on the show. What do we offer? $5,000? A nickel. A, a nickel. All right. I can finally get some milk. <laughs> we, uh, and, and then you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Loaded Goat Pod. And if you have any questions or comments for us, go to loadedgoat.net and submit a, submit a question. Quick question, Until, was, that, was that to Elton or was that to our listeners? That's to our listeners and Elton, if he, if he wants to submit you can a question. Also ask us here if you have any questions. But yeah, yeah, or you can, or you can, or you can text me. Text yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah. Until then, Christopher, can I have a nickel? Uh, no. I hope you can beat me up. <laughs> <laughs>